Thank you for listening in to our prayer cast from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the under church, uh, often unreached people. We believe the scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. We also believe, just like Jesus did, and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time. And so we believe in praying with impact in our ministry. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. We are confident that the Bible-based prayer principles that we teach never fail. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. We would appreciate if we recommend our prayer cast to your friends. Uh, we would also appreciate if you recommend our app, Afri Christ, to your friends. This app can be downloaded from the Apple App Store and also the Google Play Store. Thank you once again and may God bless you as you're listening. This is your host Sam Kawesa. And I am going to be talking about a topic which many of us do come across in our lives one time or the other. And the topic is very simply, why me? Have you ever felt that, you know, everything is caving in on you? Things are not happening your way. You're being attacked by the enemy one way or the other. And it's like, why me? Everything is just happening right now. Why me? And you go into a frustrating experience, a depressing experience where every circumstance seems to be frustrating you. So in this podcast, we present Bible stories of natural events that would otherwise be precursors to depression or frustrations. And we're going to show you how, if you can relate to those stories into your own life, you can get rid of depression or you can prevent depression or frustrating circumstances from happening. And if they have happened, we will show you how to get out of it all based on the word of God. We're going to use very few stories in the Bible, but they're going to teach you a few things. And there will be a lot of scripture though. So I caution you that there's going to be a lot of scripture. And I was thinking actually making this a part one, part two um, episode so we shall see as we go on, okay? Now, these why me emotions, what are they? You'll see how to overcome them. Why do they come? You're going to see all that by the end of this podcast. Now, I'd like to remind you that we can be heard and you can refer your friends to hear us from all the different providers of podcasts like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean application, Spotify, Amazon Music or Audible, Pandora, TuneIn and Alexa, and iHeartRadio in addition to so many others, as well as from our own website, which is AfriChristPodcast.com. And if you just Google us, you're going to find us all over the internet, wherever you want to listen uh, to us from. So we're all over the place. You can listen in your car, in your home, as you do things. And we advise you that uh, um, when you listen, you'll be uh, forced to look up some scriptures every so often. But nevertheless, if you can't, just listen to our podcast and you will be blessed. I usually announce this at the very end of our podcast, but I'm going to do this now. Our top downloaders have skyrocketed. So I'm going to just read you 13 of them 
in different nations. We have had downloaders from the United States, Uganda, United Kingdom, Trinidad and Tobago, Australia, India, Japan, Kenya, Mexico, the Philippines, Venezuela, South Africa. Refer somebody else, it may bless another person. And especially in those countries where they do not allow or have churches. Okay, so now, let us go into our topic right away. Why me? Okay, let's be clear first of all that there is clinical depression, okay? That may require medical intervention with or without medication. And as you know, I'm a person from the healthcare industry, so I know that there is such a thing as medication for depression and the reason being chemical in your body. Okay, don't, don't forget we are just a moving bunch of chemicals really and uh, electrolytes and electrons you know taking place and so those things are bound to happen if they are out of sync the wisdom of medicine is really a gift from god and even jesus acknowledged it when he said that it's only the sick who see a physician or who need a physician so really medicine is of god and so if you need to go to see your doctor hey so be it go ahead see we are like cars you know, we need maintenance every so often. Doctors do help us to be to maintain our bodies. So, I advise you that if you have any kind of depression, those are the places you go. Now, you can also have uh, counseling, okay, psychological counseling or spiritual counseling. And in this case, we're going to use the spiritual side of this podcast to help you with some things that could cause depression or if you are in a depressive state, or a frustrating state, how to get out of it, okay? We're going to pray that God will help you to really understand where many of these things on the spiritual side come from. Now, God is sovereign, so he can use any one of those methods to uh, help you out. You could use medicine, you could use uh, psychological counseling, you could use uh, um, spiritual counseling. And so, be open to the Holy Spirit to direct you on how or where to go. We are going to approach this podcast in two uh, phases, okay? There's a phase one and a phase two in relationship to our topic. Phase one being the rejection and dejection that we feel, okay? And that would involve things like lonesomeness and isolation, feeling surrounded or boxed in. And then phase two is going to be uh, where we have, the I call it the power actions. That's, in other words, where you get up and do something that will cause a power change in your situation. And that would involve taking stock and responsibility of what's taking place and then making the move. Okay, so let's start with the rejection and dejection, phase one. This is where the depression and and uh, frustration may cause you to feel isolated and feel alone. It feels like, why me? It's happening to me because of me. Everything is me, me, me. It's okay for you to feel that way, but the idea is not to stay in there. That only identifies what's taking place in your life, okay? Now, don't forget, we are dealing with this from a spiritual side, not from the medical side or the psychological side, okay? This is the spiritual counseling that I'm going to be giving you from the Word of God. Now, let's talk about lonesomeness or isolation, okay? Let's start with... Elijah the prophet. I call him the prophet of fire because of the way he called down fire. Our aim here is not to show you the miracle of his actions, rather his human state of mind. 
uh, uh, when he was doing the things or when the things happened and the actions in regards to uh, our theme, okay? So these things are going to be related to our theme, which is why me? And that's how we're going to be looking at this uh, prophet, uh, Elijah. Now, after a victorious prophet of fire challenge with Baal's prophets, after praying for rain and it rained, suddenly the spirit of fear came upon this man. How did it happen? See now, I shall read you the story so that you can understand where it's all coming from. We're going to read this from First Kings chapter 19, uh, verse 1 through 11, but we shall be cutting them here and there. But in this case, I want you to really see Elijah from the why me situation and how it was all coming to. Elijah said to the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Now, why did I jump to that scripture? Because this is what happened. Before this, Elijah challenged the, uh, the prophets of Baal. He said to the people of Israel that, listen, make up your mind. Do you believe in God or do you believe in Baal? And so he went into the prophet challenge. He challenged the prophets of Baal. They brought 450 of them and he told them, okay, if your God is God, call down fire. So this is what he did. He challenged them. He says, okay, let's build an altar. Bring your bull, cut them, put them up there. And let us see if your God is God, there shall be a fire that will come down and consume that uh, sacrifice. And then I'll do the same. So that's when he says, you know, he told these people, come, come unto me. And he says, come down, Israel. I have called you by name. And he put the wood in order. So the prophets of Baal put up this altar, put up the sacrifice, and started to call on their Baals, on their prof uh, on their kings, on their everything that they could call upon. They called upon their gods. None of them, none of them could bring down a fire to consume the uh, sacrifice. And he kept calling them. He started to mock them. Hey, maybe they're in the bathroom. Maybe they're doing this. Keep calling. And after a few hours, he said, okay, your chance is over. Now let me do this. Come, let us put this altar back together. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull to in pieces, and laid it on the wood and said, fill the water pots with water and pour it on the burnt offerings on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And it came to pass that at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I'm your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. So you see, here we have Elijah. He called upon his God. They called upon their God, the Baals, and their gods could not consume the sacrifice made to them. But as soon as he repaired the altar, as soon as he did that, called upon his God, 
God consumed the sacrifice. And not only did he consume the sacrifice of the uh, animals that were cut for him, but also including the stones and the wood and everything that was inside to show the mighty power of God. So now you can look at this situation. Here is a prophet. He was all geeked up, as we would say today. He was, I mean, excited. His God has shown that he's God. Then how would depression come out of this situation? The situation actually started when he, with his own confession, started to make certain words. And I call these, you know, words, they are hashtags that the enemy uses. They are trigger words uh, that the enemy uses to cause certain kinds of depression or frustrations in our lives. And that's what um, Elijah fell for too. So in First Kings chapter 19, uh, verse 1 through 4, and then 7, and then 10 through 11, okay? So now... I want you to understand that sometimes, even after victory, after you're doing so well, it could be on a job, it could be with your children, whatever it is, fear will come. You may come your way, and the enemy uses certain words that even you yourself may speak, because there's power in the words that we speak, and the enemy knows it, but he cannot use that power unless we let him to. And the, the beginning of it, the key is, we start to speak those things. And in this case, that's what happened to Jeremiah. And I'm going to show you the, that his frustrations and his fear and his depression came from his own words by him letting the enemy use those words. Okay, so it, First Kings chapter 19. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me, if this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Bathsheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat, uh, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he may, he may die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then the angel of the Lord came to him and touched him and said, Get up and get something to eat. The journey ahead will be too much for you. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you and torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. That's the tag words. That's the trigger right there. He had used it earlier when um, when uh, Ahab found him. He, uh, Ahab told him, oh, so you are the troublemaker. And he said, uh, no, I'm not a troublemaker. He said, oh, yeah, you're the one. And he said, yeah. Um, at that point, Elijah said something to the effect also that um, I am the only prophet left. Once you say those things, once you use those trigger words and you let the enemy use them, he got you. In this case, he goes, I the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me, okay? So here he is giving the enemy the handle to harass him, to cause him to be depressed, to cause him to be um, 
overcome by this overwhelming fear and this uh, a lonesome feeling, thinking that he is the only one. He is feeling dejected. When we go into the feeling of dejection, when we feel like I am the only one who is left to do this the job, I am the only one at work who does this and that, I am the only one in the family who supports such and such, I am the only one in church who cleans up, I am the only one, it doesn't matter. Once you say, why me? The enemy will look for words that will tag onto the why me that will cause you to go into a frustrated state and into a depressive state. You have to watch the words you speak. Okay? He said, now they are trying to kill me. He is trying to prophetically fulfill what Jezebel did. Instead of standing firm, the same way he stood against the prophets of Baal and said, hey, if your God is God, let him be God. He should have challenged Jezebel. Jezebel is a spirit. Yes, it was manifesting this woman of King Ahab. But we know in, in, in spiritual circles in the Bible that Jezebel is a spirit. Now, this spirit was haunting him. This spirit was taunting him. And he was telling him, I am going to kill you. Okay. So now he's here saying, they are trying to kill me. So God wanted to show him that that's not where the power is. The power is not with Jezebel. So he told him this, Go out and stand before the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And God is trying to show Elijah that, yes, Things, circumstances may be falling apart around you, but I am not in those things. Don't look for me in those things. Listen to me. I am spirit. The Bible says that God is spirit. Listen to his spirit. Calm down your spirit so that his spirit will get in touch with you so you can hear what the Lord wants to say to you. So you can pray yourself out of this depressive state. Okay? And the way you pray yourself is to listen to the Spirit of God speaking the Word of God because we know once He gives you a word, it will never come back void to Him. So God gives you a word to speak, a thing to say, a thing to do, then you know what's going to happen? It won't come back void to Him. So this is the time not to fear, not to... Uh, Use the words that the enemy has planted before you, not to hashtag Satan, but instead to listen to the Holy Spirit. So the question is, where was God? How come he was not in those occurrences? You know, we tend to look for God in what we think is necessarily miraculous. So because there was this wind going around, we think God is in the wind. Because there is this miracle that's taking place, we think that's where God is. But God is not. And he is trying to show Elijah where God actually is. See, God may be in, in small, still voices that are in our spirit. That's where God will be, in that still, small voice. You have to calm down. You have to settle down, stop all the movement, stop all the chatter, stop all the talk, stop all the listening to all these people and all these things. Instead, wait for that 
small still voice from inside because in this case for Elijah the still small voice was in the cave even though the wind came and the mountains and the rocks were falling all over that's where your eyes the natural senses look they look and hear but you know the spirit is telling us that he, God is hidden in a cave what kind of cave is the spirit of God the spirit of God is hidden inside the cave of your spirit inside of you don't forget we are body soul and spirit he's inside of you deep 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 there you have to settle down okay that still small voice assured him he told him that listen i still have 7000 more prophets you are not the only one so many times when you think it's only you you are not the only one okay three times Elijah had repeated the depressing words I am the only one remaining and they are about to kill me with which the devil through Jezebel you know tried to instill fear and depression in him okay I call these the triggers of satan and he uses them a lot but God assured him he told them listen yet I will preserve 7000 others in Israel who have not bowed down to bow and kiss him so you see god has others around you others who will assist you who will help you listen to them listen to the spirit of god or rather the second part of phase 1 is feeling surrounded when you feel that everything around you is coming against you you feeling claustrophobic you feel like us uh, you know spiritually and physically and emotionally everything is caving in maybe you have lost a job maybe you are losing a friend whatever it is everything just seems to be caving in and the why me keeps coming out you know out of you so my encouragement to you is this when everyone else seems to be frustrating you when everything else seems to be caving in on you when family you know drivers on the road and everything seems to be coming down on you calm down let the spirit of god speak to you that feeling of being surrounded you are not the only one it has happened to other people in second chronicles chapter 20 i want you to read that story yourself it's a powerful story because here we have a king who could cause death who could let live okay a king who could wage war he had an army he had everything but in this case king jehoshaphat he was surrounded by this mighty assyrian army and he did know what to do and so he goes to god and says i don't know what to do and when you're feeling boxed in there has to come that time when you say to yourself i can't do this i need god i need higher power than what i have around me everything i've learned everything i can do will not push this away that's what happened in this case of jehoshaphat and you know what when you do that god gives you ways on how to overcome your situation in manners that you never would have thought of in this case he told king jehoshaphat that go down and face the enemy tomorrow and when you go down when you obey god speaks because he just told him to go face the enemy the next day so king jehoshaphat got all his army and everything and everybody 
and then told them, let's go down in the valley because that was the Lord said. And then the Lord did not speak until that day. He gave them time to obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So they went down in the valley. And when they got into the valley, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of them and he spoke. And when he spoke, he says that, hey, you are going to see the hand of the Lord move. This is what's going to happen. They are going to be defeated. And he gave Jehoshaphat wisdom. He told him to put the choir in front of the army. And when he did that and they started to praise the Lord, the other people, the enemy armies, start to fight against themselves. That's what will happen in your situation. When you feel boxed in, sometimes you need to be praising the Lord. have to have your spiritual ears up because that's when the Lord will say something. And when he speaks, you will know that it is him. So even though it looks weird, even though it looks different, you will do it and that's where the power is because God is in his word. Okay, remember, the still small voice, the word of God by his spirit is in his word and his word never comes back void to him. And so in this case, he told him to put a victory choir in front of the army. They started to praise the Lord and the Bible says as soon as they started praising the Lord, the other people started to fight against themselves. Your enemy, your circumstances, your case against uh, the case against you, it will start to crumble. Because you have obeyed the instructions of the Lord, like he told this man to go down in the valley and face them. But he never told him what he was going to do, because I believe if, if he had told him, hey, take your choir and let them pray and, uh, and praise, then uh, Jehoshaphat would have said, no, that's not God. There is no way you can go to war with a choir and the army is behind you. But that's how God works, okay? Now, a- another story of surrounded is that of Elisha and his scared young servant. Again, uh, surrounded by a mighty army, God shows them that he has an invisible army, not in the things that we see, because the young man was looking for something to see. What are we going to do? He got scared, you know. And in fact, this story reminds us of the story of Jesus in Matthew 26, uh, 53, when he said he could ask God to send him more than 12 armies or legions of angels. This is when Peter tried to defend Jesus by pulling out his sword. In the natural, it looks the right thing to do. He would pull out the sword, but how many people can a sword kill before they get you? But Jesus reminded him that I could get my father to bring 12 legions of soldiers to get rid of all of these people. But no, you have to listen to the will of God through the Spirit of God. And in this case, you're going to see that in this story, it reminds us that when we feel surrounded, just like King Jehoshaphat was, you have to listen to the Spirit of God because he will give you instructions that may otherwise sound different. Okay, So in this case, the story is in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, verse 14 through 22. And he says this, So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots 
everywhere. Oh, sir, what shall we do now? The young man cried out to Elisha. Elisha said, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed to the Lord, opened his eyes. All around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Now listen to that. The other people had horses and chariots and everything. But look at the difference here. They had chariots of fire surrounding to protect them. God is a consuming fire. Okay, the same fire that consumed that sacrifice that Elijah put up. He is a consuming fire. He consumes the enemy, not you. Because in the book of Daniel, when the Hebrew boys were thrown into the furnace, there was fire. In fact, the soldiers, the Bible says that the soldiers who, um, who set up the fire in the furnace, they themselves got burned because it was that hot. But when the king came to look in the next day, he saw four people. He had put in three, but he saw four. What was it? The fourth one was a representation of God, an angel of God. And the Hebrew boys who were thrown in the fire, they were not burning. Because God knows how to take the burning element out of fire for his people, but leave it in for the enemy. So in this case... The chariots of fire surrounded Elisha and his servant. So when you feel like you're caved in, things are going all against you, you feel surrounded, don't ever forget that God is on your side and those that are with you are more than those that are around them. Okay, For the Lord is on your side. So now this is let's continue with that story. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, "O Lord, please make them blind." So that the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, "You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I'll take you to to the man you're looking for." So in other words, Elisha told them a story so to speak. And he says, oh, come on, come on down. But they were now blind. They were at his mercy. But I want you to see the next line that he did. The next line that this man followed is very, very scriptural. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I'll take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again. I want you to see how this fulfills scripture, both in the New and the Old Testament. In the book of Proverbs 25, 21, the Bible says that when your enemy is hungry, feed him. When he is thirsty, give him drink. And then in Luke 6, 27, Jesus himself said this, for us to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us. Okay. Okay. 
Now, to get out of this depressive state or things that cause you to be frustrated, you may end up loving people who are unlovable. I don't want to use the word enemy because, say, for example, it could be in your family. It could be in, uh, in your workplace. They are not really your enemy, but they are unlovable. And God may be calling you to love on them, to work with them, to help them out, to pull them up. Just when you do that, as he did for Job, remember when Job went through all that suffering? And at the very end, the Bible says that when he prayed for his friends who had been mocking him, everything returned to him. When you intercede, when you pray for others, when you stand in the gap for others, when you love on your enemies or the unlovables, God is going to do miracles. He's going to use your situation to pull you, the very situation you're in, he's going to use it, the very people who are against you, he's going to use them to get you out of your frustration. They will be working. They will be jumping all over themselves to help you. I want you to understand that is true. It does happen. God will blind those, not necessarily literal blind, he'll blind those people who are against you to the very things that they wrote themselves to the very things that they have in their pockets against you. They'll be blind to them. They won't use them. And then instead they'll be helping you. Okay? That's how God works in times of frustration and loneliness and attack of the enemy. Whatever it is, depression. That's how God works. Okay, so now we've seen all these situations where we could be in um, a situation which would be frustrating, depressing, Some of it may be caused by us, actually, uh, as we shall see in the next phase. But, you know, God is with us. God will use this situation to help you to get out of the depressive state. Or he will cause the very things that you are in. See, because God is not necessarily going to pull you out and put you up in the air and then sweep for you and then bring you back to a clean floor. No. He's going to let you walk through it because his word says that you'll go through the fires, but you'll not be burned. That as it was for the Hebrew boys, you'll go through the waters, but you'll not drown. As it was with the children of Israel crossing over dry ground, as we shall see actually. So don't necessarily look at your situation as the end it all. Instead, look at it as the beginning of your salvation, the beginning of the end of your problems. Okay, now. Let us go to phase two, which I call the power actions or the action phase. This is where you do something. One of the things I like to tell people is that prayer is not the end of your situation. Prayer is the beginning of the work. And that work, many times, it's you to do the work. We like to say that, oh, let go and let God, you know, pray and let God. No, but many times... God wants you to do something even after you pray. So let us take um, uh, two examples, two or three examples in the Bible where someone took stock of their uh, and responsibility for their actions. Okay, You have to admit your error, especially if that mess is created by you. Okay, We're going to ag- examine the parable of the, uh, of the prodigal son. Many times we look at that uh, parable from the point of view of the son who wastes his father's money and also from the father who forgives him and also of the brother who was mad. I want you to look 
add another silent actor in here or character in this uh, story. When things are happening, there is much more happening behind the scenes than what you could see. And in this situation, God was working a situation out in the parable of the prodigal son. God was working his situation through to other people that you may not see or even pay attention to in the story. Okay, That is the mother and the farmer. So let us read a short part of the uh, story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, verse 11 through 21. It says, To illustrate the point, Father, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son uh, packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all the money in wild living. About this time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded, I want you to pay attention to that word. He persuaded a local farmer. Pay attention to that one also. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. I want you to pay attention to that too. The young man became so hungry that the pods he was feeding, uh, the pigs, looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Okay, I want you to look at this in this case. The farmer and the, the, the boy f- persuaded. Now remember, the way he began, he asked his father to give him his estate before he died. Now I want you to understand, he didn't just walk in one day and say, hey, I want everything that you know you're going to give me so I can go. And then the father said, okay. This boy must have t- uh, taken some time trying to convince his father why he needs his. Yes, Jesus didn't tell us the whole story here, but you can just think about it. He probably sat down and told him, I want to do this, I'll do that and the other. And then his father said, okay. So he convinced or persuaded his father. Now, that character followed this boy because when he was suffering, he came up again and used the same uh, character. The Bible says he persuaded a local farmer. He persuaded. That means he went through this, oh yes, if you use me, I'll do this. We don't know what he told him. But he looked like this kid was good at conning people or taking advantage of situations, lying or whatever it may be because he persuaded a farmer, a local farmer. And the man said, okay, I'll send him, but I want you also to watch this. He sent him to the pigs. So our actions especially those actions when they're in deceit, will lead us to the pigs. You'll end up wanting to eat what the pigs eat. You'll end up living where you shouldn't be living. Don't you think that you can con your way all the time? You may end up in a worse place. Like they say, the, uh, the grass is greener on the other side. Many times it may look that way. It's not always green. It may be leading you to the pig, okay? So watch the things that you do. Watch your advisors, especially when they don't know a bit about the situation you're in. A lot of people will be telling you, do this, do the other, do this, go here, move here, do whatever. Let me tell you, watch, watch. 
okay? So let's continue. The young man became so hungry that even the pods feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Don't think that people will always be out there dishing out stuff for you. You are causing your own depression and frustration by trying to con people, by trying to deceive, being deceitful, not just to other people, but even to your own self. You may deceive yourself. Oh, let me do this. I will do this and the other. That is deceit to your own mind. Be a person who follows the word and the spirit of God. Okay? Now, the good thing with this boy is this. This is what happened. And I pray for all those prodigals out there. Even me, I've been prodigal in many situations. So don't look at those people who are out there on the street. No, you yourself may be quote-unquote doing well, but you may be prodigal in some areas. You could be prodigal in your family. You could be prodigal in your relationship with other people and not prodigal in the sense that they are going to give you this so that you can go on. No, you are prodigal. Look up that word prodigal, okay? When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned to his father, and while he was still away, a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be your son. Now remember, this is the phase of do something, take uh, uh, stock and responsibility of what you have done, do something about it, return to the Father, return to God, return to the people that you wronged, repent, Ask for forgiveness, work hard, whatever it is, do it, and God will meet you. He will not even look at your mistakes. This father did not look at his mistakes. He did not even care. He instead says, with compassion. God is waiting to meet you with compassion. Now, we talked about another person here, the mother. My question is, where was the mother? The mother is not even mentioned in this story. But we know she was there. We know that she lived to see it. Now, there are a lot of praying mothers out there. They are on the side. You may not even be paying attention to them. You may not even be thinking about her. But that woman may be out there praying every day, calling your name to God. The Bible doesn't tell us that's what has happened. But I can tell you from experience, our mothers, many of you can give the same testimony that my mother prayed for me. My mother was out there praying all the time. I didn't even know it. Many times I called to my, my own mother overseas and the first thing she tells me or one of the things she tells me, I pray for you and all the children. My children don't even know their grandmother is praying for them, calling out by name every single day. That mother may be in the background, that mother, but God cannot violate his word because in um, the fifth commandment, the Bible says, 
honor your father and your mother that it may what be well with you just because she's not in the picture just because she's not saying anything just because you don't see what she's doing let me tell you your mother is in the picture she is in the background praying for you honor her honor her and god knows how you need to honor her i don't know who's that is for but let me tell you it's for all of us mother she's always in the background we may see the father here we may see the brother here we may see the farmer a little bit but we may not see the mother but this child's mother was there okay so that's the other um part of that making a move now um or rather taking responsibility uh, and taking stock of what you have done another issue that we are going to see is making a move in this phase 2 you have to make a move sometimes we do things and we've caused the mess but we need to make a move i'll give you the story of uh, david uh, king david at ziklag what he did was inquire of the lord his move here was to inquire of the lord what was the story now this story is in first uh, samuel chapter 30 verse 8 through 10 okay and what it is is that david allied or aligned himself with the wrong people he went to fight with the wrong king and when he went to fight he left his uh, his family and his village his town unattended to and the enemy came and took over okay in this story david allied himself with the wrong king and went to assist him in a war that he wasn't supposed to be in and in the process he laid himself and all those he led bare to attack from a band of raiders who took everything including children their women at ziklag many times we lay ourselves bare by aligning or allying ourselves with the wrong people bad company spoils good character be careful who you ally yourself with you you'll be causing your own frustrations david here caused the frustrations for himself and his men by allying himself with the wrong kings so david saw his mistake though and he summoned his men uh, to prayer when he came back and they had lost everything so he summoned his men to prayer and after a day of prayer he asked the lord one thing he says what shall i do should i follow these men he was so frustrated he just didn't know what to do he said so he ordered the men bring me the effort the effort is a kind of dress that they used to king used to put on before he approached the lord okay so he said bring me the effort and he prayed for a day they all prayed and cried out to to the lord and the frustration that they had caused is now going to be the source of showing the hand of god because what happened is at the end he says then david asked the lord should i chase after this band of raiders will i catch them and the lord told him yes go after them you will surely recover everything that was taken from you so david and his 600 men set out and they came to the brook of besor but 200 of the men were so exhausted they could not cross the brook so david continued to pursue with 400 men 200 of them couldn't go 
400 went on. Why? Because he was now standing on what? The word of God. Remember, the, I told you earlier, and the Bible says, his word never comes back void to him. When you devote time to pray and ask God for solutions, he will give you a word. It will be one statement. You may have prayed all day long and he just gives you one statement. But because it is so powerful and never comes back void to him, it will happen. So in this case, the Lord said, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. And when you read that story, I want you to read it yourself for the sake of time. You're going to find that they went and in the desert, as they were going out there to chase after those men, they saw one boy, an Egyptian boy, left out there by his master in the desert. And instead of passing him because they had a mission to do, David was prompted by the Spirit of God to feed that little boy. He fed the boy. Then he asked him questions. That boy had the answer because he told him where those raiders had gone. He had seen them. And so he said, oh, they took such and such a route. That's how God works. He will direct you in ways that you could never imagine. Because you are standing on his word, and his word never comes back void to him. He told them that you shall surely recover everything. How did they get that word? They accepted their mistake. David accepted his mistake and went on his knees with his men and prayed unto God. That's what sometimes you need to do. You need to accept, I was wrong in this area. God help me. What do I do? Just like he instructed Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, just like he instructed David, he will tell you what to do. Just like he told Elisha, just like he did for Elijah, God will do for you. Because the Bible says he's no respecter of persons, not even his prophets. He looks at us the same. So, one last part on this phase two, not the end of the podcast, but the phase two is get up and get moving. And this is a very interesting story. You know, the children of Israel were going and the enemy was coming after them and Moses had prayed and blah, 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 blah. And of course, Moses being a man who, <laughs> the Bible says that God speaks to Moses even as he does a friend. And Moses was here trying to pray again. The task is in front of him and he's here on his knees praying. Sometimes we're praying people, we over pray. God wants you to get up and do. Because prayer is not the end of things, but the beginning of work. You are just getting started. Okay? So, in another get up and move story, God told Moses, get up and get moving. Get the people across. Then, as he did, God told him to do the miracle of parting the waters and destroying the enemy to place. God wants us to act on our prayers. You know, many times, like I said, we like to say, oh, pray and let God. No, God wants us to do something. Prayer is the beginning of work. You have to get up and do something. Put in an application. Do a better job on your job, wherever you are. Talk to your spouse, whatever the issue was, your friend, whatever it is. There are a plethora of things taking place out there. God is just saying, get to work, get up moving, get moving and do something. You know, listening to the Spirit of God for direction will turn seemingly impossible situations, you know, the cause of our frustrations and depressions many times. 
And all we have to do is to listen to the Spirit of God. And He may be telling us to do what we don't want to do, like go repent, go apologize. Many times on my job, I've picked up the phone. You know, we've had a patient or somebody who was really rude or uh, frustrating and situations may have happened. And I tell um, the people I work with, my associates, I tell them, let it go. Well, what can we do? Blah, 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 blah. Just let it go. Let me think about it. See, I say let me think about it because in these environments, you, you, don't, you tell people, let me pray about it. They, they're going to look at you like, hmm. I just say, let me think about it. But many of them know when I say, let me think about it, they understand what I mean. And then God may give me an answer. He may say, talk to that person. Do this for that person. Give him a call. I have called someone who had left saying they will never come back and they will do this and the other. And I called them 20 minutes later and they came back and they were like puppies sitting down waiting on me. I have had a situation where a man told me what he felt about me racially, said everything. The next day he came back like a puppy with his wife because he went home, told his wife how he had gotten this, done this and the other. The wife told him, we're going back. I'm going with you. She brought him back. God used his wife to come back and apologize to me. That man is one of my best right now. So God is going to use ways and things that you just never expect if you listen to him. Just get moving when he tells you to do so. So let me read you this story in Exodus chapter 14 verse 15 uh, through 22. It says, And then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops. You see that word? It will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, not through Moses. All Moses has to do is to do what God told him to do and God's greatness will be displayed through the Pharaoh and his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am Lord. See, those people will know who God is. Those who are against you will know who God is. You already do. Moses already did. Israelites already did, but they, those people, did not do. So God was going to use the Pharaoh and his chariots and his charioteers for them to know who God is. And the angel of God, who had been leading the, Israel, uh, the people of Israel, moved on to a rear of the camp. The pillar of the cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled down between the Egyptians and and the Israelites comes. As darkness fell, the cloud turned into what? Fire. Remember, I told you that our God is a consuming fire. Here again we see the fire. The cloud turned into fire. What the people don't realize, a cloud, you can go, anybody can go through a cloud. Pharaoh could 
ride through a cloud. Look at it as fog when you're driving. You can drive through it. But can you imagine as soon as the fog turns behind you, if somebody was chasing you and it becomes a fire, who would expect that? Water becoming a fire. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with strong east wind. The wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land, so that the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, with walls of water on each side. That's what God is going to do for you. He's going to turn the water into a fire. He is a consuming fire because that's how he destroys the enemy. So, do what he says. It may not make sense. Get up. See what how he chastised um, uh, Moses here. Get up. What are you doing? Calling me, you know. But so many times, many as Christians, we want to be in prayer. I am praying. Listen, this is a prayer ministry, but it's also praying with impact that we want you to do, and that's what you're gonna do. I know. I've seen it in my own life. Praying with impact. It could be three seconds. It could be ten minutes. Whatever it is. When I tell my co-workers, let me think about it. I'm praying. I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. He's telling me what to do. And it never fails. Never fails. Because God's word never comes back void to him. Okay? So, finally, I want to encourage you as we almost coming to the end. I was thinking I'll make this a two-part series, but I probably not. It'll be just a little longer. I want you to know that God wants to encourage you. Don't lose hope. Because it may get harder if you do. However, God is with you. See, in the case of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was sulking, losing self-esteem. You know, it's, which is a common uh, trick of Satan. You know, he beats you down with psychologically. You feel like you're, n- you're nobody. Everybody looks at you and tells you the worst part of you. You can't do this. You won't be able to do this. You're not qualified. You are not this and that. You look differently. Blah, 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 blah. That's the work of Satan. It happened during slavery <laughs> uh, of, of, of black people, say, in America. They were told that there were two-thirds of human. When someone tells you you're two-thirds of human, that means you can't do anything that humans do. You're just below that. But many of the black people stuck it up. They knew better. That's why the, 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 the slave owners didn't know when the black people started to sing, Michael the Boda Show, Hallelujah. Michael the Boda Show, Hallelujah. Let me ask you, which Michael are they talking about? Michael the angel. <laughs> Michael the angel. And the question is, did Michael row the boat ashore? Hello? Do you know about the civil war in America was about slavery? And those people own no guns of their own? They own no army? Remember what we said? God uses the same who are against you to fight against each other. It happens with King Jehoshaphat. This is not a racial thing. This is reality. That's what happened in America in the Civil War. Hello? Because even some of those people who are on the government side versus the Confederate side, 
they themselves owned slaves. But they fought against the others so that they could free theirs and the others. That's how God works. Michael Rowe, the boat ashore. Okay, so those things happen in our daily lives. You use that. I don't care what color you are. Use that as the work of God. Because remember what Moses was told? He said that the Pharaoh and his charioteers are going to see the glory of God. That's the same thing here. The enslavers were going to see the glory of God. People being freed without an army. That is our God. God is no respecter of person. That's the reality. That's how we live. When you live like that, you forget race. You forget tribe. You forget ethnicity. You start to love on people. Because what would, what did we see earlier? The Bible says that when your enemy is hungry, feed him. And Jesus says, love those who hate you. The word of God never contradicts itself. That's reality. Okay? That is God. The God we serve. Okay? So don't lose hope in your situation. Whatever it may be, God is going to be on your side. So let us see in Jeremiah 12, 1 through 6. This is Jeremiah talking, and, and this last part now is do not lose hope, okay? Do not lose, uh, um, do not lose yourself into your circumstances. And so it goes like this. Lord, you always give me justice when I bring a case before you. So let me bring you this complaint. Why are the wicked so prosperous? Why are evil people so happy? You have planted them, and they have taken root and prospered. Your name is on their lips, but you are far from their hearts. But as for me, Lord, you know my heart. You see me and taste my thoughts. Drag these people away like sheep to, the, uh, to be butchered. Set them aside to be slaughtered. How long must this land mourn? Even the grass in the fields has withered. The wild animals and the birds have disappeared because of the evil of the land. For the people have said, the Lord doesn't see what's ahead for us. Now, this, this is where God came in to encourage him. Because he was losing hope. He was trying to go against God by saying, slaughter them. Yet God tells us to feed them. Now, see how the enemy uses those hashtags, I call hashtag uh, Satan. You know, those trigger words to put you into his camp. He was using this, let's do this, slaughter them. No, that's not how God works. This is what the Lord told him. If racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, how will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? See, God is saying that what you're seeing is nothing. If this makes you scared, depressed, and frustrated. What about when you get to the harder places? Look to me, in other words, okay? He says, even your brothers, members of your own family, have turned against you. They plot and raise complaints against you. Do not trust them, no matter how pleasantly they speak. In other words, trust in the Lord, not the people. Don't look at your circumstances, because it may get even harder. But if you trust and look to the Lord, 
you will get out of this situation. You will just use prayers of impact, short prayers, and it will work because it will be the word of God and it will come back to him, not void. That's what the Bible says. It never comes back void to him. It comes back with results, okay? Then God reassures another one, okay? This is in Isaiah 45 uh, through 6. This is what the Lord says. I'll go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains. I'll smash down the gates of bronze and cut down through the bars of iron. And I'll give you treasures hidden in the darkness, in secret places. I will do this so you know that I am the Lord. Okay? This is the promise of God. He will straighten the crooked path before you. He will cut the bronze doors. I mean, smash the bronze doors that are ahead of you that look like, how do I move to go in? They have locked me out. They won't allow me. They will not promote me. They will not do this and the other. And God says, I'll smash that bronze door. And then, oh, I feel like I'm in a prison. You know, I'm depressed. I am frustrated. It feels like a prison I can't get out of. He says, I'll cut the iron bars. When you get those kind of assurances, let me tell you, my friend, you are going to see the power of God in prayer because you have believed in his word. God promises that you will see the cause of your situation and circumstances through the rear view mirror, okay? And the name of his son, Jesus, will be glorified. Stand on his word. Go back on this podcast. I know we have almost gone this way and the other, but it will bless you. It will bless you. This one hour will bless you because you will learn how to pray with impact. You will see the work and the hand of God in your life with impactful, short prayers. Why do I say that? Because you are in a frustrated situation, you are in a depressed mood, and you want it quick. You may not even have time for a long prayer. You may not even have the strength to pray 10 minutes. But when you pray the word of God, it will be powerful. It will cut through everything, and God will be with you. I promise you that. Thank you for listening in. Don't be discouraged. Don't be frustrated by your situation. Don't be depressed. And if you're in depression already or frustrated already, go to the word of God. Ask him to give you or show you a word, a short one. Because I know when you're down and under, you may not have the time for a long prayer. But if you do, be blessed. If you don't, ask him for a word. Don't be like Moses to stay down there too long. Get up and move. Be like David, accept your wrong. Be like the prodigal son, accept your wrong. Repent, come back to the Father. In the name of Jesus, Father, we come before you, Lord, thanking you for your goodness, mercy, and love. I thank you, Father, that this podcast will go out to bless other people, that they will come through their depression, that nothing that they do will cause them to be depressed or frustrated. But if it does, or if they're in frustration already, Father, show them the word that they need to get out of it. I ask you, Father, that bless them with your presence, that your word will be a 
their, uh, their path to that freedom, Lord. That, Lord, they will break through. That they will, be, uh, uh, they will cut out of this prison. Even as you promised that you cut them out, you cut the iron bars. That they will cut out of it. That they will get out of it. That they will jump out of it. That they will skip over it. Whatever it will take, Father, let them listen to your instruction, your quick instruction. Father, love them. Show them your love through your word. And everything that will be done will bless and lift up the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, now and forever. Amen. Okay, like I said before, that I gave you our usual last thing that we do, but uh, let me encourage you again. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, uh, Spotify, Amazon, Audible, Pandora, TuneIn, uh, iHeartRadio, and so many other providers. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. <laughs>